tinfoil hat. Oh, what the fuck are you guys even talking about? Global controls will have to be imposed. And a world governing body will be created to enforce them. Welcome to Tinfoil Hat. We, we, we go deep, homeboy. Eric, open your mind. Drink from the fountain of knowledge. There's lizard people everywhere. That's some interdimensional shit. Wake up, Aaron. This is only the beginning. Dude, you just blew my mind. Good morning, Swarm, and welcome to Tim Fall Hat. You know I am. You know I'm here to do. I'm here to rock. Yeah, hail, hail, the gang's all here. Look at that. Xavier Guerrero in his new studio. Yeah, look what's at your up? studio. I know. Damn. That's you right there. Damn, Fucking dude. Texas look at you got poster. your shit going, bro. Yeah. So I got uh, I got my own co-host. Look. Damn, dude. Now, is this in your new place or is this at a different studio? Uh, it's my living room. All right. Respect, brother. Yeah. Respect. Look at Xavier Guerrero leveling <laughs> off. I love it. I'm so happy for you. You're thank killing you, it. You. And from space station, where he, who knows where his girlfriend is just floating around if she's even <laughs> real. Jay Nice, Johnny Wooded. How are you, John? I like that, actually. You're like the Mexican Brian Red Band now. It's amazing. Look oh, yeah. at that, dude. Look it. at that, dude. That's Johnny, really cool. uh, when is the new Broken Sim drop? Friday morning. Friday morning. But is that the one with Ryan Long? It is. Yeah, that's the one with oh, Ryan Long. Big episode coming with my boy, Ryan Long. Guys, I mean, today's episode, banger alert, dog. Banger alert. Just so you know, a doctor told Xavier Guerrero, that's a great question. So that's how important this show is, dude. This is how good this show is. We have a great show for you. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, it, it, it was a, a killer, killer Dr. Bear. And we had Mike Winter on and they knock it out of the park. Big shows are coming. If you want to see Xavier Guerrero, Eddie Bravo, myself live with our good friend Reed Becker, we will be live. April 8th is the El Paso. We're at, we're at a rodeo center for Tim Fall Hat with Eddie Bravo, Xavier, myself, and our good friend Reed Becker. And then on the April 9th is Corpus Christi, and we're doing two shows there. Uh, uh, we're uh, both those nights in Texas. There is a stand up comedy show, then a swarm tank. Grab your tickets now. And then I am going to be in Fredericksburg, Virginia, and then Baltimore, Maryland, back to back. I'm in Palmdale the 28th. Then the Tim Fall Hat comedy crew is out April 29th in Aurora, and then we are in uh, I have to still put up what float fest in te in uh texas and that's on the 30th big shows come may 11th laguna beach guys uh so many people are coming to so many people look at they're just uploading old episodes so many people are coming to rockfin check it out some of the biggest names that you love tim fall hat zero uh, uh broken uh conspiracy social club we don't smoke the same yep. broken sim and the list goes on. Will you go to go up there to uh, will you click on that and go to um, 
channels. Look at those channels. All these channels are there. Bang, bang. Look at that, dude. Whitney Webb. Oh, look who's there. Kate, Kate Quigley. Quigley's there. Jimmy Dore. Joan, Jason Burmese. I mean, dude, Jay Dyer, Isaac Wysip, Kim Iverson, who I love all there. And we got some you new know. bangers we're not allowed to talk about. We got a banger. Abby Martin, bangers. Tony Hinchcliffe, I think, maybe still there, but he's there. Brandon Walsh, they're all there. Just go to rockman.com, pick a channel, subscribe, help out, love us, okay? If you go to samtriply.com, I have seven free shows that you can listen to anytime you want. Just go to, just go down. There we go. Tim Fall Hat, Sam, uh, Broken Sim, Cash Daddy's Punch Drunk, uh, Union of the Unwanted. We have the, we have the live from the, we have vault shows from past shows of Zero and Conspiracy Social Club. Listen to old episodes, and if you like them, you can go listen to new ones on Rockfin. I have a 24-hour radio show. If you want to buy tickets to my live shows, just go to samtriply.com. If you want to buy T-shirts, just go to samtriply.com and click the Tim Fall Hat T-shirt. Bang! Look at that. Bang, bang! I got a new shirt that Chili sent me. I'm going to send her some money for it. Yay. Yep. And then she made uh, you into an NFT. She made you to a board ape. I'm going to send it. Yeah. Board ape. Board ape. I'm going to call it Zen ape. It's not board ape. I'm Zen dog. Zen apes. And then you go. And then, dude, I'm telling you this. The Tim Fall Hat Only Conspiracies chat is dropping hammers. We're almost at 3,000. Our goal is 10,000 subscribers to our Tim Fall Hat Only Conspiracy Telegram. If you can't find it on Telegram, just click the uh, link on samtriply.com. Anything else, guys? Uh, we still got tickets for April 16th. We know Smoke the Same Live oh, yeah, in yeah, Riverside, yeah. so go get your tickets for that. It will be a good show, and uh, someone might make a special guest appearance if it and happens. And again, guys, if you just go to my Tim, if you just go to Fat Dragon Pro uh, on Twitter, you'll see where I put up the GoFundMe for Scott Davis, Off the Grid Ryan's brother who recently passed away. Great guy. Great guy. Part of the swarm. It's going to be severely missed. He's such a good dude. Passed away in the night. If you want to help off the grid, we love him very much. Just go to uh, just go to uh, Fat Dragon Pro and uh, the link. I'll have a link again in the description below so you could uh, support uh, Ryan and his family. All right, guys, this is a great episode. I love you very much. Enjoy the show. We go deep, homeboy. Aaron, open your mind. Drink from the. All right, so uh, these are the episodes I get super excited about. Uh, these are the ep- there are a couple things I call uh, dangerous conversations uh, because what they deal with is basically complete and utter rewiring of how we see the world. And what happens is people get very nervous when you talk about this. And there's a couple of them. And this is one of them, and we'll get into it. But before I uh, I begin, I'd like to introduce our guests today. They, they have a podcast called The Alpha Podcast. I'm very excited to welcome Mr. Mike Winner and Dr. Bear Paul Lando. How are you guys? Doing great. Good to be here, gentlemen, and thank you for having us. It's an honor. 
thank you. Yeah, su- super pumped to be here. The, the podcast is called Alpha Cast. Alpha Cast. Yeah. What I say? I, I the easiest name, to, and I still butchered it. What I say? The Alpha Cast. <laughs> you, you said Alpha. Uh, okay, my we're, apologies. We're alpha all cast. Alpha dogs here, yo. Respect, respect, respect. Some of us are interns here, but that's okay. Uh, super appreciate having you guys on. Uh, look at we're all from all over the place. Looks like some people are in the woods. Some people are in outer space. Everybody's somewhere great. Uh, before we begin, uh, can we hear a little bit? Tell us a little bit about yourself, guys, and a little bit about your podcast and finally where they can find you. Mike, why don't you start? Okay. I always let you go first because elders first, but um, I will, I will kick in. Yeah. So we started this podcast uh, called Alpha Cast about uh, 2018 as uh, uh, it's just an extension of the long conversations Bear and I've had for over a decade about really about real science and, and how nature uh, has been completely inverted by the mainstream. Uh, and I just had all these questions for him back in the day because I'm actually really good friends with his son. Uh, we kind of came together in Santa Barbara in the DJ days back then in college. And I noticed that his son had all these trippy stuff in his dorm room and in his apartment, like um, water vortex machines. And I mean, this is like the late nineties, early two thousands. I was like, what is this stuff? You know, I was still um, very much closed off to these ideas of like structuring water, even drinking kombucha, eating bee pollen, all of this, like, alternative health stuff. And then he introduced me to Bear Lando. And we had all these long conversations over the phone and decided uh, with the start of Alpha Vedic, which was a company we started back in 2015-ish, that we should maybe come out and to the public and get that knowledge out of Bear's head to the public. So out of the gate, we're talking about the virus lie and uh, germ theory fraud and, and things like that, that were back then crazier to talk about than Bigfoot and aliens. I mean, we're this was like the dark side of the internet way before the pandemic and all that. And then it's just grown now into this, this wonderful weekly podcast we do. We've got this large community uh, behind us and we do events and we have get-togethers and gatherings. We have a community that's growing up here uh, where we're at on the Smith River on the border of uh, California and Oregon and just loving life, man. It's just been, I, I must say COVID, oh, I, hit, I said the, the hot word. Um, hot it's, words. It's been the greatest gift. It really has because it's brought so many amazing people together and it's really helped AlphaCast explode in the last couple of years. Well, I'm excited for you. Bear, would you like to jump in? Tell us a little bit about yourself because sounds like you uh, you have a vast treasure of knowledge that we're all going to love to hear about. Well, yeah, first, just to set the record straight, I wasn't always a kombucha guy. You know, I started out as a 280-pound football player, played at uh, – you know, highest levels, went to college and, you know, 1A and all that kind of stuff. And, and, uh, you know, I had a lot of fun doing that and then got into, uh, just regular medicine, pre-med and, uh, worked in emergency medicine for a few years. Then I went to, uh, naturopathic college, chiropractic college. I got in, uh, under the wing of, um, uh, physicians and scientists over in Germany, because back then they were um, still doing old school uh, German microscopy and what they called bioterrain medicine. So that was, uh, you know, what I ended up practicing for over 40 years is bioterrain medicine. And um, so I started in the private practice, you know, after I left the conventional side. 
And uh, what I found is uh, basically between my training and my practice years that everything I learned in uh, regular med school was bullshit. <laughs> and, um, you know, I mean, there's there's some efficacy, but uh, most of it, you know, was just all so you could push their wares and, and keep everybody in the box. And uh, so everything I talk about, and if we do talk about Bartrain versus like germ theory, that sort of thing today, what I'm yes. going to uh, tell you is from firsthand experience, not from research papers or theories. It's just how things work in the real world. Uh, since I closed up my practice, um, you know, I've certified in permaculture farming. I have, I live on our permaculture farm here. I grow medicinal herbs. I have a lab where I make stuff out of what I grow. And, uh, you know, what I found is agriculture, uh, if you're practice it right, it's just like medicine because uh, the principles are universal. You know, the soil is uh, follows the same universal laws as uh, I used to, you know, observe working in bodies. And so when I treated bodies, you use the same principles. So, you know, nature has one unerring, unerring set of uh rules and if you know them life gets pretty simple and things are pretty healthy and you don't have to take all this garbage that the uh mainstream medical profession is taking or selling i, I should say i love all this stuff uh, i mean this is in my wheelhouse it's something that i'm working on practicing right now and you know we've had a guest on before talking about growing your own food and all that stuff and i'm very much into that so what i would like to do is uh Johnny, Johnny, if you could, I would really appreciate if you could be a little bit of a skeptic today, be, not to be competitive, not to be competitive or, or gotcha or anything like that, but just to ask the questions that maybe people who aren't into what we believe might want to ask for the sake of just having a balanced conversation. Because I believe I, I, I'm a total terrain theory guy. That's what I believe in. And, but I would like to have someone who maybe doesn't see it like that, be able to ask some questions. And it sounds like you guys are the ones that answer those questions. So I'm super excited about that. Hi guys. I want to tell you about our friends at Bespoke Post. This spring, revamp your daily routine with Bespoke Post and their new seasonal lineup of must-have box of awesome collection. Bespoke Post partners with small businesses and emerging brands to bring you the most unique goods every month. No matter what you have going on this season, Box of Awesome has you covered. From camping gear essentials to cookout must-haves like hot sauces and barbecue rubs, Box of Awesome has collections for every part of your life. We especially like the Slash Box, which has a knife made by Bare Bones in Salt Lake City. And we also like the Carnivore Box, which includes the American Barbecue Rub made by the Great American Spice Company in Rockford, Michigan. To get started, take the quiz at boxofawesome.com. Your answers will help them pick the right box of awesome for you. They release new boxes every month across a ton of different categories. Each box is valued at around $70, but you only pay a fraction of that price. Plus, with each box of awesome, you're supporting small business. 90% of everything that comes in your box of awesome is from a small, up-and-coming brand. It's free to sign up, and you can skip a month or cancel any time. Get 20% off your first box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter the code TIMFOIL at checkout. That is boxofawesome.com, code TIMFOIL, for 20% off your first box. 
box. That's boxofawesome.com, code tinfoil. Enjoy. I, 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 I am someone who believes, guys, that when they go, is everything a conspiracy? Uh, my answer is now, yes, everything is a conspiracy. And they just say these words. They've labeled this thing to get you very much uh, afraid to run. There are labels they put on things purposefully to get you to be too scared to look into. I have a friend of mine. His name's Jimmy Dore, and he's now fully into this this COVID. I, I don't think you'd ever use the word hoax, but this narrative and stuff like that. Where when we first started, when I first was blessed to go on a show, he was he hated being called a conspiracy theorist. I still think he hates that that term, but I think where where he's going into is where we are right now, and people are opening their minds to it. So where I want to start out with is something that Bear, he said I could call him Bear, Doc, we'll call him Bear, we'll call him Dr. Bear. Um, start off with like everything that we've been taught is a lie. I feel that that is so hard for people to come to grips with. There are discussions that literally take everything you believe in and flip, it's like, Dane Cook's bit about Monopoly when you start losing and you're just like, F this game, you throw it up. Like these conversations we have is like taking the game of Monopoly and just flipping it up because it makes no sense. And so I want to kind of start out with how is, how do, how, why do we believe in germ therapy? germ theory over train theory and how could they have convinced us all of this stuff over all this time well it's it's brilliant marketing is what it is and uh they're winning a propaganda war that's all it's been and uh mike can speak on this uh well because he's well researched about the historical origins of the germ theory and if you go back to the time of Louis Pasteur, he had a contemporary by the name of uh, Antoine Bouchamp. And Bouchamp was a legitimate uh, microbiologist and scientist. And basically, he laid the groundwork, his research on biotrained medicine. And uh, the bottom line is your internal ecology the bioterrain is everything and germs are nothing. They're just a byproduct of that and actual helpful uh, necessary components to keep the system healthy. Now, Louis Pasteur was very connected at the time politically and, uh, you know, kind of one of these cutouts like a Fauci type is now for special interest. And so he plagiarized the work of Bouchamp and then uh, from that uh, kind of rift into the germ theory, which has been used every, ever since. Now that germ theory and that historical origin has been totally uh, rebuked as far as, uh, you know, Pasteur having any um, uh, veracity behind it and, and just, un, you know, uncovering the entire scam. And, you know, in the court of law, there's uh, an old axiom, it's called fruit of the poison tree. And that is, is if you have a disreputable witness who's a known uh, liar, then, you know, whatever he says, whatever comes out of his mouth is not considered. It's just, uh, you know, it's just not a reputable source. 
So if you look at the origins of the germ theory, it's fruit of the poison tree. It's from a known proven liar. And the whole thing was debunked a long time ago. However, with the advent of the, you know, special interest backed by immense amounts of money, the Rockefellers and so forth, that are cutouts for folks, you know, uh, on the other side of the pond that goes all the way back to the Royal Society who are behind a program we call eugenics, which we see playing out right now with these medicines that they're trying to push. Um, you know, it's all interconnected. So with their uh, amounts of influence uh, in the media and everything else, they've been able to sell this lie. But most important, they've been able to brainwash the frontline gatekeepers of their system, which we call medical doctors. And the medical doctors, you know, go through, you know, and I went through all that training myself. You go through like an MK ultra trauma-based training where you're constantly under stress, long hours and all this pressure and everything. And you're just given all this information and it, you know, penetrates. And then you have so much vested in, you know, your, um, you know, going through that in the first place, the time, the money, the pressure you ever went through. By the time you get out in practice, you're basically most of the time a believer and, uh, you know, don't want to go against the grain for one reason, you'll get blackballed in two seconds and lose everything you worked for. So the, you know, the, the most brainwashed folks for the most part are your medical doctors. And that needs to be true in order to sell the whole narrative in the first place. But a lot of doctors of all types are waking up right now. So I'm very gratified. Uh, Mike can probably add more historical uh, anecdote to that, but um, well, I'll stop there. I was just going to say what I love about the germ theory hoax was what I call it is it's a great microcosm of the entire scientism hoax and the agenda that goes back to, you know, Descartes and uh, the idea that we're just robots, we're machines separated from spirit, which was all from the Royal Society, which came out. Uh, from the Masonic order that was really, um, you know, and when we say there's a lot of people in the scene that think mas Masons, all Satan worshipers, not not so. They're a, they're a modern mystery school. However, they have been corrupted and co-opted, you know, by the Bavarian Illuminati who saw that as an opportunity to use this network as a means to uh, co-op nature and for control. But that being said, if you look back at all the main figureheads of quote unquote, modern science, Galileo, Copernicus, um, uh, uh, go down the line bear, um, they all were in that brotherhood and they were all, that's where the Royal Society came out of. And I, the, I personally believe the point of that is to deny the, that there is a creator. Uh, and so some will say that's satanic because that is the opposite of, you know, what the creator is trying to do here. So that being said, the germ theory is just one aspect of that. And if we extrapolate that, it'll actually really help if we can extrapolate and see why the germ theory has had such a force over us since uh, the Flexner report, for instance, came out and the, the attack on the naturopaths with the Rockefellers behind that and what we call Rockefellerian medicine, which is now dominates uh, our, our health system, uh, a modern allopathy. We can see that this is actually the same tactic used on every aspect of science, whether that be astro uh, astronomy, whether that be physics. Um, et cetera, down the line. And it's all to deny the fact that we live in a divine realm with the divine creator. 
uh, to make us disempowered and look towards authority for all the answers. I completely agree with everything you're saying. It's been a long, long, long con over a long, long time. I think when you talk to people about what we're talking about here, they think we're talking about a decade of conning. That's what they think it is and how they don't realize that like there are people born into this that over time and trauma continue on the game and their goals that this these secret societies do are not even meant to be finished in their lifetime that they are they are just meant to make in, incremental moves forward to get it and if it happens after they pass so be it as long as it eventually happens and that is the game that's being done and it and it, i always say this man if you do conspiracy right you will always get the spirituality because you ask yourself, what else are they lying to us? And when it always gets to is God, source, whatever the word you want to use for that is. That is always what's about the disconnect from you with your origins and source. And they don't want you to know about that. They want you to think you're powerless, hurling on a, through a rock, which makes zero sense on how it go that like the notion that you would believe naturally that this would just happen if that's what you're into and i'm not saying that's what i'm into i'm saying what all the scientism people are into that they believe this is this sun's here all this is going around and it just naturally happened that's what you believe it's just ridiculous i mean even to the point when you talk about uh, a parasite that gets into a mouse's head that makes the mouse run to a cat and the cat eats the mouth. Like that is so designed to think that just randomly happens just out there is just incredible. Or that there are specific birds' beaks that uh, match a specific flower depth. But no, this is just all random evolution, right? Of just random BBs bouncing off each other and just cause and effect creating this. Dar <laughs> you know, Darwin and all these guys, they were occultists. They're just as into the spiritual side of things as anybody, uh, as the hardcore Christians out there. That's the irony. Like the CERN scientists, they do like weird black magic stuff there at night. So like all of this has to do with voodoo and, and magic and, and, and the spiritual world. World's ran by sorcerers, dog. It's ran by sorcerers. Right now, we got a president. I don't know how much power he actually has. He could just um, be a figurehead. But I think he's he's a broken sorcerer. Like, that speech he gave at the State of the Union was meant to put us in a trance and get us to want war. And, he, and I know this as a guy that has mumble mouth, okay? And I've done stand-up where I mumbled some words wrong and people wake up from the trance. And that's exactly what happened when he called the Ukrainians Iranians. And it's just like, there you go, dude. Hey, guys, I want to tell you about our new friends at Fume. That's right. Are you looking to quit cigarettes? Well, we got, we got a all natural way to make that happen. That's why Fume is a natural inhaler designed for a better, safer, and natural way to quit cigarettes. Okay. If you're quitting is hard, I know that. Well, guess what? 
Fume is here to help, okay? It is a no smoke, no vape, no nicotine replacement for a hand-to-mouth habit of smoking. Fume is made of 100% Canadian maple and uses cores infused with plant oils to curb cravings. They have flavors like peppermint and conquer with minty notes to simulate menthol cigarettes and other flavors like lemon berry bliss for a sweeter experience. And all of their flavors are 100% natural. No harmful chemicals, no artificial flavors, and absolutely no nicotine. Okay, quitting is tough, but fume really can help. They've got thousands of five-star reviews from smokers who have tried everything else, and this worked, okay? Listen, I have people in my life that would love to stop quitting. Quitting is smoking is so hard and fume is the product that can make it happen okay whether you're a smoker or an ex-smoker who still struggles with craving fume is the perfect tool for you okay it's time to create positive habits and quit naturally with fume okay and we're here to make it easier right now if you had to breathe fume.com slash tinfoil and use the promo code tinfoil you you're going to save 10 percent off your entire order you're going to save on cigarettes you aren't buying and save on your initial purchase of fume that's 10 percent off your entire order when you head to b-r-e-a-t-h-e-f-u-m.com slash t-i-n-f-o-i-l and use the code Tim Foyle. So I want to get into, for those who haven't listened to this podcast, because we've done a show on this topic before, but it's one of my favorite topics. Uh, when we're talking germ versus terrain theory, what exactly are we talking about specifically? Well, with germ theory, you're talking about weapons of mass destruction, of course, that they're still looking for. And, uh, you know, I spent thousands of hours over four decades looking at people's blood under the microscope. Now, I used a different kind of microscope um, where I could visualize cells and uh, the whole internal ecosystem in its alive state. In conventional medical school, you know, histology, we were taught to prepare slides in a different way with fixating agents so that what you're looking at is dead, basically. It would be like coming from outer space and, and wanting to know what a dog is like. So you get an old dead dog that was run over on the highway six months ago, you peel it up and then you, you know, you look at it and instead of just going to the pound and getting a thing that you can, you know, pet, you know, and see what a real dog is like. That's the difference between medical school microscopy and histology versus what I learned from the German school of microbiology, where we use different kinds of microscopes that allow you to see things in their alive state. And what we uh, also, what you learn when you look at that, and what I learned in my first education, was that we have microbe families within our bodies. And these, there's like little seeds, uh, there's different names for them, we call somatids, protids, uh, you know, in different languages in, in Belgium and, and France and Germany, you know, where they all knew this stuff a long time ago. And those little seeds you can identify, you know, readily when you're, you know, trained looking under the microscope. And then when uh, the ecosystem has a job to do, let's just say there's something to clean up, uh, something to get rid of, uh, or maybe the body needs to rejuvenate certain tissues and stimulate stem cells and things. Well, each of these microbes have a role in that. 
So let's just say um, you're diagnosed with a staph infection, you know, on, on your skin there, they culture it. Yeah, you've got staphylococcus. Well, what's really happening is these little uh, germ organisms actually pleomorphically, in other words, morphologically change to predictable stages. And in the case of the skin infection, it's not an infection at all. There's something that really needed to be cleaned up in the dermal tissues. And then uh, a little microbe from the family called penicillin notatum that lives inside of us. We couldn't live without it. We'd be better in a doornail. That pleomorphically morphs into a bacterial stage that we call staphylococcus or identify that as a single fixated entity within nature, but that's not true. And again, going back to the premise that nature has certain ways of doing things, and that is unerring on every single level, kind of follows the old hermetic principles as above, so below. There's only one way things work. So if you're out in the forest and you see a dead deer, well, what happened, you know, because you see all these creepy crawlers over it, uh, you know, some flies came, they laid some eggs that goes into the larva stage. They gobble up the deer, you know, as part of nature's cleanup committee. And then they sprout wings when the job is done and they fly off. The microbes in our body work identical. And if you go into medical indoctrination and, um, you know, you say, okay, these germs are causing these diseases or these kinds of afflictions simply because they're circumstantially found at the scene of the crime, it's no less ridiculous than going out in the forest and saying the damn flies killed another deer. So, uh, you know, terrain medicine is understanding how the ecosystem is works, uh, works in the first place. It's a functional realm, just like the larger realm around us. And the microbes have a very key uh, important part in that. They are our ecobionts. And without them, we couldn't possibly survive. So in bioterrain medicine, we bring the ecology back to a state of balance to help those microbial actors do what they're trying to do and, and treat the terrain, not treat a disease, not treat a germ because the disease is only an expression. The microbes are there to help us. And, you know, it's uh, just uh, uh, what they've done is they've completely inverted how the internal ecology yes. works in the first place. Yes. I get it now. So germ theory is that they want you to treat the germ. Terrain theory is that we're treating the inside of your body, right? The terrain that is your body. And what you're telling me is that they've convinced us that the results of the, correct me if I'm wrong, but the results of the actions of your body doing its job they've labeled as germs and they want us to act like they're, we're battling those things. Is that, is, is that kind of what it is? Exactly. And if you see the propaganda on every level, whether it's geopolitics or medicine, it's the same narrative. There are terrorists that are out to get us and the microbial terrorists are the most devious because you can't even see the little buggers. And, you know, myself, like everybody else, we grow up thinking that there's these germs that are going to, you know, fly out of, you know, nowhere and crawl up your orifice and infect you. And, uh, you know, we can explain exactly why those microbes are there and what causes the, um, all the, the complete taxonomy of disease that we learn in medical school and you know what the microbial role is in the first place. 
So it's, uh, I mean, it's an amazing scam. I mean, if I was really devious and if I was one of those guys, that's, that's what I'd come up with. But what's amazing is that there's so much evidence to the contrary now. So people that still are going for it, you know, just plain don't want to know the truth because none of this is a secret. It's been out in the open for a long time. Yeah, man. All I did is I just proved it out in my own clinical experience. And I, you know, after a few decades, I just sat back and I said, wow, it really works like this. And, and there's so, so much more magic to it, too. It's like this still the, the terrain versus germ theory dialectus gets us stuck in this materialism still. And Bear will actually go farther than that. And he'll express like, here's a trippy idea. Looking at blood pulled out of somebody in a microscope, actually their thoughts he's seen and what he's doing to them is actually affecting the blood still outside of them. So Wait, there is what? a co- there. Yes, there is a connection <laughs> above and beyond the, the hardcore materialistic idea of even what blood is, what water is. There is an ether. There is there's what some would call a consciousness, you know, uh, field. Um, and we can go more into that because I bear and I personally are, are, are tired of the whole terrain versus germ theory conversation. I know I still- you are. I know, but it's yeah. so important. And you just brought up one of my favorite topics that I'm excited to talk about ether. I'm so into yeah. that right now. I just had a conversation with uh, uh, an hour with this guy trying to get the exact understanding of what it is. I want to get into that, but I want if, if we could, because I think this is very important. I, I do, too. And, and I think going back to Louis Pasteur and Bouchamp's important because we must understand that back in the 1800s, 1700s, they still were trying to figure out what caused death, where, um, for instance, why would maggots appear on a rotting flesh? Um, they had this theory that was called spontaneous generation. And so um, basically where things just spontaneously came out of nothing and it was ridiculous. And so it was Antoine Bouchamp, who was genius, who was actually able to develop this idea through his microscopy and and come up with discover these things he called microzyma which would bear set or or called protids which are like the base little elements of life and he was even able to pull chalk um a limestone from thousands of years old that we just think's dead and actually able to and keep it totally sequestered and totally separate from the air but through his process have it come back to life through these mic and bear you might be able to explain this better than I but the microzyma who's able to stimulate and get that pleomorphal cycle kicked in again to where they would turn into bacteria and turn into life thousands year old limestone exactly. <clears throat> so uh, and so basically pasteur go ahead okay go ahead go ahead bear well i was just going to make comments because i i think one of your early comments uh uh raised some eyebrows here um we're talking about having the blood out of the body and then <laughs> having the blood actually go through changes uh you know when you do something in the body here's how that works uh, we won't get too much into the weeds in this unless you want to, but you have to get into the understanding of waveform physics. And so waveforms are electrical vectors that are basically the substance of what we think of as matter. But the point I'm making is it all operates on resonance. Everything is resonance. Now, if you're a fish swimming around in the ocean, your medium is water. You're probably unaware that you're even swimming around in it. There has to be a transmitting utility, a medium in order to send, to transmit these waveforms through. That is called ether. It's no different than what we think of as water. And that is the medium that we swim around in. 
So every thought we think, every feeling we have, everything we do creates uh, electrical vectors. They're waveforms that are actually a product of our very thoughts. That creates a resonance. And we can talk about the larger realm and how the resonance goes from top down into capacitors on the ground and creates life as we know it. And also how that relates to the whole PSYOP of the current pandemic, because just by using, um, you know, all their technologies from uh, the news to uh, five, hey, uh, cinco, hey, and all this stuff that <laughs> creates the resonance to cause physical illness. But yeah, this, this uh, and by the way, this show this, doesn't go on else. anywhere. Okay. 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 No, no code you words. Can say anything you want. You can okay. say so we the show is off of YouTube. Words. We don't put it on awesome. here. Uh, we have a yeah. big following. We've We've grown it everywhere else. We get just as much as we got before. So just know that you can say any words you want. Awesome. Awesome. So I'll finish up real quick. The resonance and what I was trying to set up there is when you take blood cells out of a body, they are part of the same resonant field as the body they just came out of. So one of the techniques I used to do is I would take blood samples and I'd put it up on a screen monitor so I could see them swimming around. And there's other things, there's white blood cells, there's all sorts of other forms that you get to recognize. Then I would have the patient on the table and then I would do things to them to get feedback from the blood in order to help diagnose and also to guide the therapies that I knew how to do. Now, keep in mind, um, I had what was called a very difficult international practice. I had people coming from me from all over the world. And uh, I always uh, practiced at a very large clinic. We had live-in facilities that people would come stay. And everybody had something really gnarly going on. So, you know, it was a serious thing. And a lot of my clients were these so-called elites because they don't go to regular doctors. And so I actually got to have a lot of conversations with some recognizable names and people uh, behind the scenes that we would probably think aren't really good guys, you know. And uh, but anyway, you know, I got a lot of earfuls as far as how the world really works through those associations. But in clinical practice, we did things that were based on very sound scientific principles going all the way, starting from waveform mechanics in in the field of physics and applying that to medicine. And to this day, I'm still developing strategies of medical intervention based on waveform mechanics. So what you're telling me is that you can pull blood from somebody and that blood, even though it's out of the body, will still have reactions to what's happening to the body? Yes, because every cell has what we call DNA. That DNA is a dual impedance antenna is what we call it, you know, in the field of physics. And that's no different than the little radio dial, you know, in your car, when you turn it, you have two little rods, um, you know, like this here and you know you just move the cursor and then you 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 tune into a different station depending which level the cursor goes on the dual impedance antenna one two right there now each dna strand is a dual impedance antenna and they're designed in certain ways to perceive in different bandwidths and so when i have a person here and their blood out here 
you have a direct transmission, no less or no more mysterious than, you know, turning on your radio and picking up a station. How, this, how long, these cells, go ahead. How long, how long would you say that blood is alive? Yeah. Yeah. Or how long is that connection yeah. too? Uh, well, that's an excellent question. In fact, how long the blood would survive would tell me a lot about the health of the body. But typically Ooh. within 24 hours, the body, the, the cells would be dead when they're out of the body. And in somebody that's not that healthy, the cells might die within just a few hours. Okay, so this is and, opening uh, how the cells. Wow. See, when I make, uh, when I would take blood out of a body, I would take a series of about a dozen slides. And what I do is have a control slide or two. And then I'd have developers that were actually proteins from all of these different microorganisms that live inside of us. Now, I knew from my training that each of these microorganism families have specific functions within the body, and they are called on to do certain things when there's certain things going on physiologically, biologically. So now when I put on the non-control slides, these different developers, uh, then I would over a whole day period, look at the changes, not just in the control slide to see what kind of things develop, because that would tell me a lot in and of itself. But then on the control sides, if a certain developer from a certain family of organisms um, showed certain changes that were very predominant, then that would tell me that that terrain was now conducive to cultivating uh, a certain cyclic stage of that particular microorganism, which told me there was a certain condition going on that required certain kinds of intervention. So basically you were seeing what's out of balance. Yeah, it's called functional medicine. It's like being a plumber or a carpenter or an electrician where you go in and things have to work. It's not based on some harebrained theory and then you just poison people, you know, and make them worse. You actually can test to see how things uh, are functioning in the body. And based on that functional response, you have therapies that are very predictable and reproducible. And the reason why people came to people like me in the old days uh, was because we got results that other doctors weren't getting, but I had to practice in private because people like me typically went to jail. And instead, in the yeah. modern medicine, they look at symptoms and they nuke it with uh, with petrochemical derived uh, toxins. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is this is all make it makes so much sense to me. Uh, so, I mean. And, and does this, like, since you're telling me that my body, if you take blood out of my body, there's still this kind of connection through antenna. Is that to me? Okay. You. Okay. So when we get into viruses versus bacteria, right? Are we talking, like, when we talk about, uh, do you believe viruses exist? No. Okay, so what are we looking at when, when we see, quote, unquote, a virus? So um, there are things that could loosely fit the theory of virus. And um, I can tell you what those are. Yes. When um, I saw patients, I also did lab studies on everybody. Now, I did different kind of labs than what you'd uh, you know, get in a typical hospital setting. 
In the labs I did, I extrapolated chemical elements from the, uh, from the bodily fluids, and I would get numbers from that. And then I would create a, create, uh, a ratio equation from those numbers. And then that would tell me a line of electrical resistance because the body is electric. And to understand biochemistry, you have to understand what that really means in electrical terms. So that would be the basis of the main laboratory studies I do on everybody every single visit. Now, one of the things I did in that same lab test is I visualized uh, what we call cell debris. Every moment your body is making new cells and it's sloughing off dead cells. So when the titers of, uh, which I could visualize of dead cells started exceeding the normal amounts or you know, was disproportionate to the amount of new cells, then I knew there were certain kinds of conditions going on. Now, when those blood cells are dying or any kind of cells, then the, the genetic material and other factors then will interact with the live cells within the body. So you do have an interaction of the material from dead cells, you know, just DNA and so forth, that's triggering, stimulating, and conjugating with live cells because then that uh, stimulates um, uh, responses that would help heal and regenerate the body to deal with the reason why there was a high level of cell die off in the first place. Some of those things would create the uh, stimulate or, or the production of what we call endosomes. It would then excrete exosomes into the blood system. Exosomes have been confused with viruses, you know, because they're just a, a different kind of nature uh, material that, you know, they can say, oh, that's, um, that's what we call virus or just the cell debris itself, you can say is a virus. Um, it would also uh, stimulate the production of stem cells, the production of what we call antibodies. Um, and so all of these things have been conflated with the virus theory and the virus theory uh, bottom line is the same narrative objective which is to make us afraid, very afraid. When I first um, really started doubting the viral theory, it was back in the early 80s, and I started getting a lot of patients diagnosed with AIDS. And because of my clinical um, practices and the results I got working with AIDS people, I was able to start connecting dots and realize very quickly that there was absolutely no connection between HIV virus and the affliction or the physical symptoms that we call AIDS. Uh, two different things. We can tell you what caused the physical symptoms, but they had nothing to do with AIDS. I also found uh, like hep C virus had nothing to do with these liver afflictions and on and on and on. So one by one or Epstein bar, you name it, the virus was not the cause, but they always have to have um, a patsy in order to blame the condition on. And let's just say they've got some um, concoctions that they've, uh, you know, made up in their bioweapons lab where they can start creating uh, massive uh, cancerous kind of growth in the body. And they download that, say, in a smallpox um, vaccine and then give it to, uh, you know, villagers in East Africa. And then it, they all get what we consider AIDS. And then they come with the same 
stuff, but they put it in a vaccine that we, you know, they convinced the gay populations on the beginning with the East and then the West Coast that they're all, you know, prone to um, liver, you know, uh, hepatitis issues. And then they get the same stuff. And now they, you know, Gallo and Fauci and some other people that are co-op um, operatives that we think are the good guys right now, they were all in on it. And so now they create the whole virus nexus and they have a boogeyman that runs cover for their bioweapons. And now they don't even need to inject you with any of those vaccines because they have the cure ready to go, which is these AZT cocktails, which uh, are now creating all the AIDS symptoms. And in my experience, when my patients, uh, you know, we, we start getting, you know, treating their train, bringing them back to life, but they couldn't regain full health uh, until they got off of their meds. And then they, you know, had 100% recovery, but the ACT medicines were actually the cause, the vaccines are the cause and so forth. So much to go over here, doctor, so much. First of all, so we've, we've had this. So if, if I get a cold sore here, they tell me that's a herpes virus, right? What is a cold sore? Well, a cold sore, you know, again, attributed to a virus can be a vulnerable tissue in your particular body that is, um, you know, we all have kind of our little weak link areas in our body. You might get recurrent cold sores. Uh, somebody else, their back might go out. Somebody else might get, you know, some other kind of skin affliction. But what it is, is you have to go into another level of understanding, which brings us into biochemic medicine. Now, biochemic medicine understands that cells, just like construction workers out on a site, can build anything, they can fix anything as long as they have the raw material. Now, we have 12 building blocks. They're known in, uh, in the alternative health field as the cell salts. They need to be in the bloodstream at all times. And what they do is they are, are the basic substance that the cells need to renew themselves. They are very deficient in a lot of people and more and more contemporaneously because of, you know, we've been inundated in a lot of different ways. So when you supply those natural building blocks, then a lot of the symptoms we have go away. Now, let's just say you have something going on on your lip. Well, the body is actually expressing something through the dermal. Can we use XG as the example? <laughs> XG has something going on in his lip. I don't need that. That's right here. I, I have a follow-up question on this too. I don't too, need right that here. on the streets. It's right here. Okay. okay. Um, so one of the, you know, some of the cell cells are responsible for taking organic matter and laying them down to create tissues in the body. If those are deficient, now those organic elements are not going to be conjugated in the proper function and form that, to make the tissues. And you have free floating circulating exudates that are going to come out through orifices, uh, you know, give you anything from, you know, lung catar to sinus issues to skin afflictions. And so when you understand how to read the signs biochemically, you um, give it the, uh, you know, the body, the proper salts so that those tissues are where they're supposed to be and don't have to be expelled by the body, which are then, uh, you know, diagnosed as some kind of illness and, and, you know, further attributed to a disease. One last comment, sorry. Um, the cell salts also are capacitors. 
In other words, they pick up resonance. And in the higher realm, remember, we live in a continuous realm. It's not that we're our bodies here and we're disconnected from everything. And on the same principles of resonance, we have constellations above us, which gets into astrophysiology. Not, uh, you know, we're not reading horoscopes or doing, you know, <laughs> just kind of shallow BS here. We have resonance that is coming down from intelligent design. And then the capacitors on the ground, these cell salts that are picked up by our cells, pick up the resonance. And the 12 main constellations embryologically create uh, a complete sequence of events that embryologically unfolds us and the human form in the first place. So not only are we getting the, uh, the raw materials that the cells need to keep everything healthy, but they're also conveying resonance as capacitors in order for tissue, uh, the proper geometry to form from that resonance that then creates the tissue in the form. Can okay, I, real can quick, I, Johnny, can I, before yeah. you ask your question, hold okay, on, so I just want to be, so when, when something happens, uh, you know, uh, I throw out my back, right? That is a sign that my body is deficient in something. These are the ways the body signals that you need to change. Again, Xavier having a, a cold sore on his lip, right? That is his body saying that he has a deficiency in something that needs to be taken care of. On one level. Okay. There's another level in that biology is always expressing what's in the psyche. And I was glad you're getting into this because maybe even this is Johnny's question. We're about bumping uglies. And then you both have it as uh, well, uh, I was going to say, OK, so let's say hypothetically STDs, XG's, right? XG's out of town girlfriend <laughs> comes in for a night. He's got an open cold sore right there. They kiss. They don't share anything else in life other than uh, the few times they come together. And then she goes back. And then a couple of weeks later, she's got the cold sore. Now, what, what's how does that fit into the model? There's several things going on simultaneously. In the field of homeopathy, we talk about miasms. Miasms are collective energetics created by entire root races and civilizations. For instance, we could talk about the cancer miasm and how a certain civilization, uh, because of habitual mindsets, created a resonant field that then persists throughout the human genome and expression for eons until, you know, an awakening comes to, to kind of break the spell, so forth. So if you look at so-called venereal diseases, for instance, or even, you know, transmission of herpes, uh, there's two things going on. The biochemic element is really key because if you have those elements in there, you're not going to have that um, biological expression as readily. However, if you don't, then you're going to be more prone to the resonance that's going to create that uh, thing that we attribute to a venereal disease that's passed on by way of a germ. Uh, for instance, you could take syphilis, gonorrhea, same thing. Those are just circumstantial actors at the scene of the crime. What really happened there is a miasmic, a resonance, uh, an affliction that uh, is, is prevalent within the human consciousness, the collective consciousness, and the people that are more prone to carrying that resonance are going to pass that back and forth to each other and uh, readily express that even more often when the biochemic elements 
are not protecting them from expressing that biologically. There's another whole level that I was going to get into. It gets in the realm of new German medicine, which explains how uh, insults, uh, traumas to our psyche are biologically expressed. They're mirrored through biology as a means to take pressure off the psyche and allow the human form to evolve consciously in a way that animals can't and allow us to, um, let's just say, elevate beyond animal instinctual reactions into conscious awareness and rational behavior. And we are designed on the consciousness level uh, to do that. And biology actually helps us do that. I'm glad you brought up the animal thing, because if you think about it, do animals have venereal diseases? Are, do, are animals constantly afflicted with all these weird chronic illnesses? Only pets, only pets that are around humans. In the, in the natural world, you very rarely see, um, you know, a wild lion, right, with gonorrhea or something. <laughs> you won't no, see it. No, 100%. So, so, Johnny, do you have any more follow-up okay, questions? So, so it's because you're healthy. So if my slutty girlfriend goes out of town, and she comes back with the cold sore. As long as I'm healthy, I'm good. Like if, but uh, no. yeah, a little bit of education, you would, you know, have ways to protect yourself from further outbreaks. And I used to treat people all the time with recurrent cold sores, bladder infections, you name it. And then when you get their train in order, get the cells, uh, all the things they need readily available in their bloodstream, then it, then it doesn't happen anymore. So, so what we're basically saying here is that your body triggers a response in somebody else's body and that if they have the elements there to cause that, a cold sore will show up. You are exhibiting the same example that we're talking about with the cells in the microscope slide, uh, you know, changing in response to what's going on in the body over here. When you have two bodies, two different bodies that have a similar program resonance, you're going to be transmitting very readily between each other. You know, not everybody wakes up, uh, you know, with gonorrhea the next day after they're with oh, the same person, but some so, people come well, down with it. Would well, that be called like an immunity? Being immune to it in a way? Um, mm, on a different level, you know, immunity is another misnomer because it's part of the theory of the biological milieu being a battlefield where the good guys are fighting the bad guys. And nature doesn't work that way. Nature is about a give-give symbiotic relationship between all things. So uh, our theory of immunity is actually a little bit off because it keeps us in that germ warfare mindset. Yeah, that's why I get triggered by the natural immunity stuff that you hear a lot out there right now about COVID. It's like, no, you guys are still missing the boat here. You're still but missing. is that done purposefully to get us to miss the boat? My question is this. So I, I feel personally, and like what you're saying right now, I've been saying in stupid because I, I'm not as educated in this as you are. But what I've been saying is like a big giveaway about what they what you're saying right now is what they've been saying about shedding and this quote unquote uh, this vaccine and shedding. So they're like basically like, oh, you could shed onto somebody else. If you have the vaccine and I'm like, that's just basically telling you how 
everything works. So I recently thought this with my daughters, like my, you know, I, I have two year old daughters and people don't tell you about kid cooties and how dangerous, how not dangerous, but how powerful they are. Right. Like when you see your daughter, or I'm talking about myself, but when I see my daughter's nose bleeding, I'm not bleeding, but uh, running when, when her nose is running and I'm like, I don't care what's wrong with you. I'm daddy. And I'll just wipe it off. Cause I don't care. I'll fight grizzly bears for my kids. I'll just, wah, bam. And then the next day is like, Oh my God, I have full blown AIDS. I have full blown AIDS right now. I think, that when when we talk about animal mating season, when we talk about women's cycles hooking up, like our bodies trigger responses in other people's bodies. So when you're so your kids go to school, they're meeting other kids and they're all just triggering each other's bodies. And then they come home and they trigger your body. Like, am I, am I right? That's what I think that I, I believe my heart of hearts. It's that's like when how... a stud comes into the bar and all the women look at him. you know, there's a pheromone. It's beyond even the pheromones and stuff. There is a field we're all in this etheric, etheric field. There we and, go, dude. Look yes. And so that the biggest thing I get on the germ versus terrain is like, well, my family, like we all got sick together. Well, well, one, you know, the traditional terrain explanation is, well, you're all in the same environment, right? So you're eating the same stuff. You're, you're, you know, you're exposed to the same things, but there's something even beyond that. And you're hitting it, Sam, you are sharing in this resonant field. And when you get dis discordant, your body, your biology is going to reflect that. So, and that can be something like when your girlfriend visits, right? Because you have that connection. And remember the connection isn't physical. The connection isn't in the space. There is, I mean, even classic quantum physics, even though I hate talking about quantum because they were getting back to particles again, space is not relevant here, right? Like we are all connected right now directly through this, but like we don't have to be physically here to, to affect each other. So we have to get that whole thing through, right? We, we want to always think in terms of 3D space, but we go way beyond that. So um, thoughts are instantaneous and they are the true, we live in a mental universe, it's what drives this reality yes. is it's a, a universal mind that this whole thing is. And some would call that bear what some would call it a uh, simulation. Right. But we don't see it that way. We it's a simulation in a sense, but it's through a, an organic mental universal mind, not some kind of AI robot. Yeah. There's not one possible physical manifestation or matter that can appear in our world unless there is a thought form that produces it in the first place. When you have a thought, it is an event, it's an electrical event, that electrical vector polarizes and just like plucking on a guitar string, that polarization creates a vibration and then those two polarities create a waveform that then create all the composites of waveforms uh, and each waveform has 18 different dimensions and depending on the dimension in every waveform, it's going to create the characteristic of everything we think we see and experience in the physical universe. But remember, we're here embodied for a reason, you know, uh, so we can't just say, oh, it's all simulation and, and none of this matters. It's like, no, we're, you know, learning how to be co-creators here on the ground. And getting back to the cell salts, you know, there are capacitors that work with us to bring down that resonance to create our form. And then it's up to us to create that form in any fashion 
you know, sick, healthy, or, or however we care to, depending on our level of awareness. And if you had all those different elements available, then spirit, which is always pure, will then be able to manifest in its un, uh, un, uh, or untampered with uh, form, and then you would not have a bunch of retarded people running around on this planet. And so you can take... Um, like a village in the old days, it got smallpox and you say, oh, that's, you know, it's, it's contagious. Well, there's a lot of things going on there, including what we've been talking about. But also, let's just say in that village or that family, everybody's eating the same food and maybe that food is deficient in uh, calcarea phosphorica, calcium phosphorus. And now because of that, uh, you know, that uh, substance that that cell salt makes, which is... Um, you know, different tissues of the body. Now that's uh, free floating rather than being put in the body where it needs to be. And now the body needs to expel that. And now it comes up through the skin and you have all these eruptions on the skin and so forth. So there's many levels of things going on from the psyche to the biological level on the ground. And most of all, it is uh, all about um, us being creating through our thoughts and our feelings every single moment. Thoughts are electrical vectors, but they have to have the intensity in order to manifest in the physical form. Wow. And what gives them that intensity is emotion. Otherwise, you'd have empty thought bu bubbles, but okay. emotion now gives it the velocity to create the form. Okay. I want to get in the ether. I just want to wrap this part up. So basically... When you have like whatever it is, your outbreak, that is basically your body telling you that you are deficient in something and you need to fix it. That's what we're getting into. And if if you show up to somebody and they're like, hey, man, uh, you show up and physically you have something right. You could trigger in them that they have something and that could trigger them to have this kind of outbreak if they don't have that situation. Can I ask, uh, right. this seems an appropriate time to ask about, do you have a thought on what susceptibility the Native Americans, for instance, might have had when they were targeted for by, you know, the Americans for biological warfare? Uh, the blankets? What, yeah, the blankets. If you buy it, think that story's real. I mean, because they were, I mean, living off okay. the land. So there's been a lot of research done on that story. And it's one of those stories to foster the germ theory. There mm. was actually a military uh, general, I believe, that put that forth, who had that belief system and said, hey, why don't we just give them infected blankets? It never happened. Never so, happened. Uh, okay. And that's, that's where the well, whole what story it, uh, came from. In fact, okay. Well, what about germ warfare in general? Then does it exist? But but, but go back to how they oh, they but the natives were getting decimated by illness. They were being poisoned. They were being um, eradicated, of course. And then they blame it on a germ. It's the same thing they're doing to the okay, population so, right now. Oh, so that that's what you're saying. You're saying that they killed everybody instead of saying they were all these savages and killed them. They're just saying, yo, they died. From no, a no, disease no. What they're that saying is that they blamed it on smallpox when it was poisoning. Yeah. 
Well, they took them off of their native diets. They put them in horrible conditions where they're now living unnaturally away yeah. from their, you know, their just uh, ways of being. They're subjected to foreign mindsets, which again are these resonant fields that are, you know, and I'm not saying, you know, white man bad and these guys good. It's just foreign <laughs> kinds of resonant fields that they became vulnerable to. So there's a lot of factors. It's just, uh, you, there's a lot of uh, details with the old kind of blanket story that, you know, you can, you can go do that and, too quick, uh, you know, too, lace it out pretty good. Go ahead. Two quick follow-ups to that. Okay. One, were the Native Americans, were they, I, I, I don't know where you stand on evolution. So I'm going to ask, were they evolved to be more susceptible in that way? Or was that just something from their lifetime of living in that way that they were, that they were susceptible to, illness if you know when introduced to these foreign ideas and different you know different diet different living light lifestyle do you know what i'm saying or or, or is that is that genetic yeah. is that inherited genetics do not determine anything genetics okay. are an after effect of the resonant fields so you know i used to witness genetics changing in my patients all the time uh, Mike, do you want to say? Well, I was just uh, saying, just ima- I, I think anybody who's invaded by some strange foreigner into their lands and disrupting them is going to cause a massive amount of um, illness. Disruption, in, in right? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think it has to do with the ethnicity of them. I think it has to do with that, that event. And I think if you look towards the, the Spanish flu, too, a lot of that had to do with World War One and all the disruption going on there. Besides, like all the other, you know, gases and, stress of course, and stress like and, and then radio Food waves shortage. being used. And so what we're talking about here is disruption of the terrain, the terrain being where you live inside out as above, so below all aspects of your general lifestyle. If you have a massive trauma to your lifestyle, you will have a physiological representation in some way. And a pox, a pox, what they call smallpox, is a very general reaction that they can then blame. They, they, they like to put in a lot of different things into one box. And they, so they look at these symptoms. They say they connect it with one thing, but it's an infinite amount of things that it caused that. Every single different individual has a different a whole different box of goodies they're working with, which causes them to be ill. Wouldn't you say that's correct, Bear? We have to look at the individual. Yeah. yeah. So you know, one staying- of my, uh, hold on, XG, yeah. go on, Bear. I was just going to say one of my favorite guys, uh, Russell Means, he was a Native American and he was, um, you know, uh, head of the American Indian movement, you know, a number of years back. And he had a famous statement, which is so true right now. He said, we're all on the reservation now. So yeah, I think man. we are, I think we're all experiencing what the Native Americans uh, were experiencing back then. And right now you have a, a sick population. You have a population that can't, is incapable of coherency and their cognition you have a population where the um, life expectancy is plummeting tremendously. So, uh, you know, here we're, we're all subjected to the same thing right now. They just had to go in different racial groups to begin with. Now they're targeting everybody. Can you talk about what germ warfare is? Uh, I, I briefly touched on that. What, what, what is that actually? Yeah. I think you need to, yeah, you need to distinguish between microbes and biology as it exists in the natural order 
versus uh, Frankenstein microorganisms that are a conjugation of different genetic cocktails, um, um, poisons, and uh, live cellular materials from different species that are put together to put into somebody's body that create unnatural responses and then do create havoc in the system. So biological germ warfare is a, a reality, and I've seen that with my own eyes, but it doesn't support the germ theory because this is not how things work within the natural order. But, you know, we can create all sorts of crazy things to make ourselves sick. I mean, half the food out there does it, let alone what they're cooking up in the labs. Yeah, But like it has to be injected into your body. It I was just going to gonna say that short of something like DDT that was sprays, that seems to be the main cause of polio or what they called polio back in the forties, fifties. Um, uh, they haven't, from what I can tell, been able to manufacture some sort of aerosol quote unquote, viral germ warfare mechanism. I think that is a big psyop being pushed by certain Republicans and people like that to once again, wrap us up into a dialectic of confusion. You're okay, saying I, that like chemtrails isn't real. Oh, no, no. I, I'm saying like the idea of what they're cooking up in the Wuhan lab that supposedly got released and caused yeah, all this. Yeah, that, that isn't. But chemtrails are very real. OK, OK. And so, we're talking about nanotech there and, yeah. and other things, but not, quote unquote, viruses. OK, so real quick, I, I just want because I want to get an ether. Um, so so when you say that there's this germ warfare, and they're like, oh, you know, because you hear the story. Oh, they took uh, a, a, a monkey virus and boom. That's not really a monkey virus. That's monkey ge genetic material. Put it with some poisons, mixed it all up and found a way to like insert it into us. Is that what we're talking about yeah. here? And that's what vaccines are. They need to get <clears throat> it under your skin, into your bloodstream to create the havoc. And uh, even the old vaccines, there's never any vaccine that's ever prevented a darn thing. And there's no such thing as a good vaccine. But even the original vaccines always had three different things. They had retroviruses, which were manufactured in the lab, but they used that for genetic engineering to splice genes, uh, you know, in the sequences. They had a poison to shut your immune system down and then they had the foreign material to create a new genetic sequence that then would be spliced in with the uh, with the retrovirus. And uh, the whole point of the um, poison was to dampen your body's own defenses. It would normally reject the foreign material. So right from the start, vaccines have always been about re-engineering us and to make us weaker, stupider, and sicker. Um, so so I the reason I, I'm I'm really open minded to what you're saying, well, because I, I believe in terrain theory and your explanations today really all click for me. Because it's true, right? But the but what I've noticed right now is this thing with the VADs, right? They're trying to tell you they have uh, vaccine AIDS is coming, right? But they never tell you it's a virus. All they're ever saying is that even from the, the, the conspiracy theorist people is that your immune system is so shot that 
you got AIDS, which to me is basically telling you that AIDS was never about a virus. It was always about the state of your quote unquote immune system. Is Am I right on that? Um, you know, gross or what we consider cancer in a natural process is a biological expression meant to heal our body. Let's say, for instance, you have an area that's been accumulating poisons in the body. The body has a marvelous way of just sequestering things off, walling them off so they aren't systemically damaging us. But there comes a time if we don't take measures to clean it out or if we just keep piling more poisons in, that the body is going to have to clean that out itself because it's going to become anaerobic, oxygen deficient. It's going to go through fermentation. Now it's going to become a bigger problem. So it starts growing extracellular mass because every cell is a little set of lungs that brings in more oxygen. And then it arrests the anaerobic fermentation, gives the body a chance to clean that area out wherever it is in the body. And then when the body has done its job, gone full circle in a healthy body, that is, relative healthy body, then the microbes that are already, some of these microbes we're talking about live inside of us, they're already at the scene. They digest the tumor, it goes away. When I was in school, uh, you know, I used to see these little scars in people's bodies looking at cadavers. And I said, what's that? They said, they're tumor scars. Now this, I went to school a long time ago. I'm in my seventies. And uh, the old professor that was teaching me was, you know, older back then I was in my twenties. So every successive generation of doctors has been indoctrinated more into this stuff. But back then we knew that, you know, hey, tumors weren't lethal. Most of the time you didn't even know they're there. They go away. If they didn't, you died with them, not because of them. But the point is, is when these um, uh, cancers that are unabated these days, um, well, there's one problem, you know, early detection, uh, early treatment. Well, now they start doing really dumb things that are the things that kill you so that that growth that might have just come and gone without you even being aware of it is now going to get worse. But when it comes to AIDS, what they did is they created cocktails that would then provoke um, uh, massive systemic multiple growths in the body that were just not natural biological processes and really more immune to the normal mechanisms of a biological expression. So you can't confuse what we used to consider just run-of-the-mill cancer with something called AIDS, which is a systemic multiple outbreak of growth all at once, uh, you know, uh, uh, completely separated from natural processes that would just allow it to run its course. And then in the case of regular cancer, for instance, if you have all the microbes involved, if you have all the proper uh, elements in your body, you're relatively healthy, it'll just go full circle and go away. But most people are deficient of a lot of these things. They've taken antibiotics, which kills the microbe populations that need to be there to digest the tumor when it's done its job. So now you have unabated growth. So all these things add up, uh, you know, and um, allow us to understand more why things like cancer are now epidemic. And then also how these um, multiple cancers that we now call AIDS-like syndromes exist because those are just complete laboratory uh, synthetics is what they are. So, so AIDS is, the, what comes is a growth, some kind of cancer growth inside of yeah, people? Yeah, there's multiple cancers. You know, you have the Kaposi's uh, 
you know, uh, uh, you know, the skin blotches you have open sores. Yeah. You just have all this stuff happening. The system's just basically shot. It's just, it's deteriorating right before your eyes and the body starts decomposing itself because it's dying. Ah, so basically what, so when, you know, an open sore, that's a basically cancer and stuff like that. Is that what, what we're, what we're talking about right here? Well, an, an open sore can be, you know, diagnosed as a cancer if it's not going away. That's just a terminology we use. The body doesn't care what you call it. Now, if it's just localized, but you just have this ulceration or scabby area that a dermatologist says, oh, no, you know, basal cell or something like that. Well, there are herbal salves that will easily take that down and just get rid of the abnormal cells, help the body you know, do what it, you know, normally should be doing on its own. And then new pink skin grows back and you're fine and it goes away. So there's all sorts of natural remedies that will help those kind of localized afflictions. But when you start getting subjected to these systemic poisons, especially the ones in the name of medicine, then you're dealing with a whole different animal because, you know, it's uh, that thing on the skin now might just be the tip of a, you know, much larger ice. Would you say some cancers did need chemo? I would not, I would say no cancer needs chemo. Uh, okay. You know, <laughs> I'll just leave it there. Well, so, chemo okay. Cause we're work. getting it. Okay. So we are getting into dangerous things. Let's just talk about okay, what sure. you would do. Well, I mean, like you start talking about how to cure cancer, supposedly guys show up and yell at you and say all this stuff. So that's why people get a little they think it's a little dangerous conversation. Which oh, he's way yeah. bears way beyond. I mean, yeah, he's knows people have been murdered for this stuff. So I've always wanted to do an episode on that. But what should we take if we supposedly have cancer? Well, first off, you have to understand that you are not a victim of a disease. There is a biological expression happening for your benefit. If it is being persistent and actually getting dangerous, and I don't want to give any impression that you just ignore these things and put your head in the sand and you say, oh, you know, it'll be taken care of. You got to take care of business and you have to take care of business aggressively because if it comes to your attention and it's not going away, that means there is some impediment in your body uh, to the natural full circle, you know, resolution of it. And you need to have a bioterrain specialist, someone who's trained in that kind of medicine that can diagnose exactly where you're stymied, why, and you know, put the train in order so that that doesn't overstay its welcome and actually take you out. And it, you know, it can do that. So we're not at all saying, oh, hey, don't worry. Um, but unfortunately, medical doctors don't have that kind of training. Yeah. And, and is it just a sound solution too, just for general upkeep is um, because we live in such a toxic soup of not only chemical toxins, but emotional toxins and our inability to, I think, deal with a lot of these now because we don't go through a rite of passage to manhood, for instance, <laughs> in the West, right? We don't know how to deal with our traumas. So um, detox detoxing. Like that's why Alpha Vedic, we sell a lot of detox stuff. Like we talk about doing coffee enemas and that can, that can be kind of out there for a lot of folks, but one of the probably best detox things you can do. Um, and so helping your body go through its elimination uh, processes. So you don't have this building up that will lead to these 
chronic, really dangerous things down the line. So in coffee enemas, I should be yeah. espressoing my myself. It's one, of our, it's one of our top selling products, actually. Coffee enemas were developed during World War One, where the nurses in the field were running out of morphine and they had these people in pain. And they don't ask me who the first nurse was that figured it out or how they did it. But they knew that if you took coffee up the colon, it uh, provoked a massive re uh, release through the liver. Now, if you understand liver action and its nexus with pain, um, you know, it makes sense. But then they were able to control the soldier's pain in the field with coffee enemas. And Whoa. then there's uh, like cancer oh. clinics, um, like the Gerstein Clinic in Mexico for years. You know, there are a lot of people with cancer would go down there and they detox and they'd have five, uh, you know, coffee enemas a day, just constantly purging the liver. Because when the coffee goes up through the colon, it bypasses digestion and makes the liver dump. And think of it like this. If you live out in the sticks, you're driving a truck on dirt roads all the time, you have to change your oil filter more often. You just have to do it because it's getting clogged up. The fact is, is on this planet right now, with everything we're exposed to, our bodies are off-roading 24-7. So when you do a coffee enema, it's no different than changing the oil filter. You know, you're letting the liver purge so that it can keep up with all the inundation and stuff that keeps coming in and do its job to filter and keep us healthier. Yeah, on, on weeks and months that there's heavier spraying, when I say spraying, literally chemtrails, I have to do the coffee enema because it'll start to take me out. And there's that's a whole other ball of wax, you know, in terms of what the agenda is there with the spraying and all the other ways they're poisoning us. But that is a really sound solution. I know, Sam, you like solutions. Well, detoxing, helping those, those you know, C60 is another product we sell, carbon 60, which is like the greatest antioxidant you can use. Um, and so these are different things that we do to help help our community uh, by providing them with these stellar products so that they don't end up having to go find a bioterrain specialist because they have some cancerous growth that's gone crazy. It's crazy. Um, another thing, you know, people are worried about the graphene in the medicines and it's also being sprayed and that creates coagulation and all sorts of issues that are creating these clots and things these days. And uh, one thing that we found that breaks down the fibrin, because it's hard to get out of your body, is glutathione. Now, our body makes glutathione every day, but a coffee enema will raise your natural glutathione level 600% and help get rid of the graphene even. Yeah, have you guys, have you heard of Morgellons? Have you heard of Morgellons? Have you talked about that on the show? No, you have. Yeah, we yeah, talked we have. About it's a, it's yeah, just yeah, people have. who have those fibers in their skin uh, and things like like they you see them pulling like little sore like threads yeah. out of sores and stuff. It's uh and and the the I, mainstream will tell you it's it's all in their head, but I'm suspecting right. that you I've have had a different... patience with that. It's it's gnarly. Oh my god! Yeah, they've been they've been messing with the nanotech and and um and you know the whole AI agenda for decades. It's nothing new with with COVID. Like this has just been the next step towards in, in forcing us to have this stuff in us. Like that, their agenda is to get us into this like weird AI transhumanistic world yeah. where, where we, we are completely severed from spirit and our inability maybe to even reincarnate. If you, you know, so, yo, what, they want to trap us here with them or replace us and take our place out of here. And, you know, when they talk, I was, I remember 
I had a real problem with the last matrix, but I understand because, you know, the directors, they transition now they're women and they're like, you know, the matrix is, was about trans. And of course the trans. Well, they lived. stole that, you know, they stole that screenplay from a fellow named Tom Althouse, who we just had on our show, who wrote the original actual story. And they straight up stole it from him uh, because the, the, the Wyckowski or whatever, the sisters, brothers, whatever they are, they can't actually create anything good from their own. And they're terrible writers. So they basically stole the idea. They didn't have a script on set for the first Matrix. They were just storyboarding off his script. And that's why the Matrix makes no sense, because they literally ripped the ideas from Tom, who was actually pretty brilliant and had and his whole idea is, is completely different, taps into spirit and soul and all this. So go down that rabbit hole when you have a second. But you're right. The whole thing was about the trans agenda. And actually, we found out that Will Smith was supposed to be the original. Did you know this? Will Smith uh, was originally yeah. cast. Yeah. And, and now look at Will Smith just won an Academy Award for playing a father of two trans tennis players. Oh, shit. Did you just go deep on that one? You just dropped some shit on that. But when they say when they say that's about trans, what I really think they're talking about is transhumanism. Of course, that it's about us. And that's the trans community. It's about trans. No, it's about transhumanism. You know that's how we what, talk about the resonance and the, well, that is the black magicians at play. They play into our subliminal levels to have us already accept this reality in the future, even though time is not even real. Time is, is a just perception. But that being said, this is why they pushed the, the, the tennis stars and the, the, uh, you know, Michael Obama on us. So oh, there's, uh, there is a in. lot. They're there, in. There is a lot wow. of subliminal black magic, no pun intended, going down here. <laughs> there, there's one more element to that. Remember, these guys never do anything unless they get two furs. You know, they, they don't just have one agenda. They have a lot of stuff, you know, that they benefit with everything they do. So right now, a lot of people are starting to understand that by way of their birth certificate, you guys probably know all about this. You have this corporate name given to you. People are figuring this out, changing their, you know, uh, status and, and everything so that we aren't corporate subjects. And it all has to do with divorcing us from being a man or a woman, because the status correction brings us back to our natural state of being a man or a woman. So the transgender is also working in the legal realm so that we get rid of the man woman pronoun so that we can be more easily brought into the legal corporate subject realm. And that's a very real part of it. These guys, you know, think of all the angles there there. It's, it's, it's at every single <laughs> spot, every single, every instance, every angle, everything is micromanaged over, over time. The problem is it's so huge that they can micromanage it all to a point, but then at the lowest levels, the wheels start falling off and the illusion starts to go and people start to see it and they start to have this. We start questioning everything. I want to get in real quick to, um, to ether. I mean, to me, this is the deepest of deep discussions because, you know, I just, again, had an hour conversation with this gentleman. Think I understand it. 
not quite sure. When you say it is the water in which fish, you know, swim in, do fish understand they're in water? Then I question, am I in water right now? Is this water? Am I wading through water right now? And I don't even know I'm wading through water. If you, in the easiest, most digestible way, what is ether? I'll try to um, dumb it down do for a guy who flung possible. first grade, Doc. <laughs> okay. Um, boy, uh, you know, it's not hard to understand. There's just different terminologies that, you know, most of us have never been exposed to. So if you go back to alchemy, which was the true, complete, both sides of the equation science, instead of just this one half of the reduction kind of science we have today, just the superstition of materialism, they understood that this medium called ether was different planes of electronics. Remember, we're talking about how you have a thought, it creates an electrical event. Well, that electricity then, as it polarizes, goes through, goes through some predictable, uh, a lot of planes and subplanes, but you can divide it into four basic step-downs of electricity into physical manifestation. So if you just kind of follow that generality. Now, if you want to look at their original um, terminologies of the ether, they talked about those four levels, and they talked about um, heat, air, water, and earth. And, you know, to us, that sounds kind of like ancient symbology, but if you want to put it into more of a Western contemporaneous understanding, the heat is hydrogen. And uh, if you get into the air element, it's nitrogen. If you get into the water element, it's oxygen. If you get into the earth element, they're actually talking about carbon. Now, for someone like myself, I can explain how in the atmosphere, there's an actual conjugation of, you know, first starting with hydrogen and nitrogen, then when it unites with water, it creates ammonia compounds and things, and actually precipitates to create matter. So we're talking about electronic levels that then, you know, as above, so below on the chemical level, correlate with what we understand in modern chemistry to create the molecular structures as we think of it, but it all starts in electricity. So to answer your question, the ether is just an electronic layering step down that correlates on a chemical level and every other level to create everything that we think of. And in uh, when they did away with the alchemical understanding, what they did was to remove that awareness of how things actually actually precipitate from our own consciousness in the matter. I have a laboratory and it's an old school alchemical laboratory. And what I do is I use organic chemistry equipment and understandings in order to mimic exactly what's going on in the upper atmosphere, in the ground, and do what nature does normally only speed up in a matter of hours and months, what nature might take years or even decades to achieve. And so the old alchemists understood that it was actually a spiritual practice. They weren't just creating medicines and things and, you know, medicines out of plants and, and, uh, and uh, minerals, but they understood that they were actually participating in a very aware state of how nature, how our creator 
design things to precipitate matter, they would duplicate it. I do it myself in my lab. And when you do that, there's a level of awareness because you are in resident with those natural processes. You're actually guiding them. You're doing things in your lab to actually be a creator within your own realm. And it really elevates, you know, we're not wow. saying that some people are more spiritual, less spiritual, but when you have a firsthand experience like that, then you really understand that, wow, this is how it really works. Just like I figured out working on bodies for a lot of years. And then you can also uh, transmute certain elements into other elements. And the periodic table of elements works cyclically. So all the elements are eventually going to take sequential cyclic ac uh, actions where one element would come the next element, the next element, just like germs, they aren't fixated in the one state. Carbon, you know, hydrogen will become carbon, carbon will become gold and so forth. And it's a cyclic process. And, and this is like why we have, this is why like we have infinite water. They try to sell us that we have limited water. Water can transmute out of the earth and we have primary water, but they've, they've tricked us into believing everything is finite and there's limited resources and whatnot because yep. they've denied this transmutation property that exists. I want to become an alchemist. <laughs> That's well, we've done shows on alchemy of the bioterrain. We're going to do one on alchemy of law because really that's where we all need to be going. We all need to be alchemists. And then we can basically science is magic. Like science is just the, the, the really materialistic uh, try uh, perception of what magic is, but that's, we live in a magical realm. And uh, bear, would you say then the ether is this connective framework between all of this or what, what's, what is like, it's a, it's a, it's a transmitting utility. And if you don't know there's a transmitting utility, how can you use it? And if you know the intricacies of how that works in these different electronic levels, then you can not only use it, but you can reproduce it with predictable results to create different things. You can create waveforms that then are the, you know, the, the very waveforms that create all the different elements in the first place. We live right now in the age of transmutation, and that's what they're trying to keep from us. We no longer need to mine uh, raw materials out of the ground. All we have to do is reproduce the waveform for any element, throw it into a 3D printer kind of operation, and we can set up an assembly line and create physical matter, hybrids of different physical elements, anything we want to create in any kind of form to create all the technologies, the machinery, the vehicles, and there's no need to take a damn thing out of the ground and it can all be done inexpensively. I want to do it. Distributed for everybody. I want to do and, it. So I want to do it. Yeah. So I'm in, I'm in dude. I'm so, <laughs> so let me just do this. So if I throw a baseball, right? I throw a baseball is the, is, is, the space between the air and the baseball, the ether, ether. There's no space. <laughs> is there is there time? Because we just oh, the last guy said that you can't travel through time, but you can send a message through time. And the ether is you can you go through time? Yes. Um, well, you know the 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 person to really understand. A lot of this is Walter Russell, if you ever want to do some good studies. 
and he's like the father of waveform mechanics. So if you understand, you know, you've probably all heard of toroidal fields, you know, every cell in your body's a toroidal field or a body is a compositive uh, toroidal fields. Uh, there are realm that we live in is one gigantic toroidal field. And what it is, is, you know, we talked about how the ether, the different planes, they come down and compact information. Waveforms are information. They compress it. And at the point of uh, ultimate compression, it becomes matter that becomes, uh, oh, you know, that we're aware of through our physical senses. But simultaneously, there's a radiation that is self-canceling that compression. And those two waveforms are going in opposite, equal, you know, uh, directions. And at the equator where they meet, you know, that's, that's kind of where we live. So when you look at the toroidal fields, um, they are actually, you know, how every single moment of our existence is created frame by frame. It's like a movie frame. Oh my so, uh, Mike, you want to jump in and elaborate on that, or? Well, I just love that. I love the analogy of the movie, where and this gets into this is very empowering information because when we understand that waveforms are essentially a manifestation of thought which all comes from source and and i'm a big fan of like the law for one because the law of, law of one that the law of one ties all this in it's basically what is the law like, of one wow the law of one is a big <laughs> it's a big one um so basically it just the law of one goes back to a, a supposedly atlantis times that was really the original um, um, mystical tradition. Uh, then also it, it was supposedly channeled in the early eighties, uh, again, and essentially it's from, you know, some intelligence, uh, extraterrestrial intelligence, but essentially it just means we're all one. We come from source. We're all connected as a singular consciousness and we're individually experiencing that singular consciousness here on this plane. And in doing that, this reality, when we, under, when we combine that with Walter Russell, then we start to see real science and how our thought forms and how our reality plays into what manifestation, like how we manifest our lives. I mean, you guys know, like if you really put your mind to something and really want something to happen, it's going to happen. And, and on the same side, the black magicians know this, the dark magicians know this. And so they're messing with reality through all their, you know, occulted stuff they do with Hollyweird and um, the big tech and all that. So really, it's the mind, the idea of the mind over matter concept. Right. Um, but we can actually distill that into pure science and how it actually works. And we are all living in a movie. I think that's why we all love watching good movies is because we get put in that hero's journey. We're all at our own hero's journey. We just happen to be all collectively kind of intertwining our journeys together. So, um, so right now, the, the real war that's being waged now is not in Ukraine. It's being waged on a mental plane. Yes. 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 Yep. 100 like they have all the money they have all the power none of this is about that they print fake money they print everything it is all mental warfare to lower your vibrations to disconnect yeah. you with god and that's yeah. what's all it's from the beginning to, from the way we perceive organized religion now too Oh, they're all, they're all this. They're all that. These guys are all terrorists. These guys are all pedophiles. These guys are all bankers. It's look at how we perceive these organized religions. And those organized religions started out as spiritual philosophies. 
And then someone came in and hardened them into organized religion. That if you don't follow this, you're not practicing the religion. And all that is done to disconnect you from God. Exactly. And your connection with the and, source. Uh, the question on time, I didn't complete that. But when you're in that one cycle where information is being compressed into matter, uh, when you're focused solely on that matter half of the equation, that's where your consciousness is at. And you're not, you know, in that in-between state where it's going in both directions and you see how that's created in the first place from your own self. Then in that compression cycle, you're just stratifying information and that stratification, that compression of information, if that's your soul awareness, then that becomes what we perceive as time. Now, if you understand how it works and if you can get in that present rather than you know going in one direction or the other now you can travel in all directions and even change things in all directions oh so time is a perception and you can that's where we get into retro causality and the mandela effect and um all these really interesting concepts about time and our awareness around that what bear was just saying there so it can get really fun is the mandela effect a new timeline um bear so what's your take bear on the the, this idea of of splitting off multiverse timelines when it comes to uh waveform mechanics i've always been curious about your thoughts that there well you have the collective consciousness that is constantly creating powerful resonant fields and that uh has the capacity to literally change events that we would think of as in the past, even though it's really not in the past, it's all simultaneously, uh, you know, happening past, present, future. So when you have those collective, powerful, resonant fields, and if there's a fixation on certain events that we consider past, you can literally change those events in the past and have uh, you know maybe those residuals from the past appear in the present different Ooh. than what we remember them because it's actually changed. It's really not that hard to understand. I'm not saying everything we see on YouTube relative to Mandela is uh, you know is legit, but the um, the Mandela effect is very real and it's very easy to understand when you get into some of these concepts. And, and yeah, then you, you get into like the idea of the Akashic record, right? Like mm -hmm. Edgar Casey, the really famous American psychic was tapping into that. And he was the first one to kind of say, and, and like the great masters as well, ascended masters, et cetera, say that they, it's all, the record's already all there. All that's happened and all that will and all that is, is already there in the record. Oh, snaps. It's already yes. there. Yeah. So, dude, you just blew my mind. So I was watching this Denzel Washington mu movie about him going back in time and stopping this terrorist from blowing up this boat. And then, like, he dies in the new realm, but then the old realm shows up and I go, well, he lives forever. So the Mandela effect could be like there was a change in time, but there's some resident evidence of the old timeline? Yeah, I mean, that's essentially, there's a lot of different ways you can spell that out and, you, and language gets tricky, right? Language always gets in our way there. But yeah, uh, essentially, I think we're dealing with, a, with that. And I also deal, I think we're dealing with 
um, the dark, the, you know, I keep going back to these dark magicians. I think they're playing with this stuff. They're always playing with this stuff and, and trying to use this to their own advantage. So we're seeing that too. But yeah, like the thing with a time machine though, is like, if there is a time machine, the way time works, we'd already know there's a time machine. You know what I'm saying? That's what there's a paradox with the time machine. Like we are the time machine. We don't need a physical time machine. Right. So there is a time machine. It's called us. <laughs> it's called our consciousness. Because if, if there was a physical a time machine, we'd already know it is because it already come back to us. We'd already know, you know, you know, you mentioned Akashic records. Uh, that's just like film in a can. That's an imprint, an electronic memory that can be revivified if you know how to do it. Uh, a seed, you know, that you might plant in your garden is an Akashic record. They're trying to figure out, okay, how does this big tree grow out of this little acorn? Well, it's not from the genetic material or whatever's in the acorn. That is a portal into the Akashic of the electronic resonance that creates the tree in the first place. So you plant it in the ground and the tree comes not from that little seed, but it is a portal into that whole species, that oversoul of the tree species, which is a living consciousness that never dies. And then when you take the seed and you put it in your mouth before you plant it, now you're intermixing there with your own Akashic. And then you're helping that, that specific individualization of that soul, uh, group soul mixed with yours to better serve you, which is a really trippy idea. So crazy, bro. <laughs> but it's so much more interesting than anything anyone even understands. And it's I'll well, so tell you what, it's a lot more interesting than CNN and um, what you learn in school. Everything. It's more interesting than everything. I'm still going to understand I, ether. I'm still going to get it at some point. It's just, it's, <laughs> it's a super complex thing to understand because it's like there's fire, there's water, there's earth. And then all those reside in the ether, in my humble, and I'm trying to understand what that is. Like, it's just super interesting. All, um, historically, all the different cultures of the world knew this stuff. They had different terminologies for it. A lot of older cultures spoke uh, in metaphorical terms. And what's cool now, like when I learned acupuncture, um, you know, I was learning about the five elements through Chinese medicine. But then I started studying Shan Han Lun, which is the Bible of Chinese medicine that goes back 5,000 years ago. And what I discovered from the original translation, so they're talking about uh, musical keynotes. Uh, you know, liver is a sharp, you know, or, or um, you know, what we consider the wood element and, and so forth. So they're all talking about resonance. And, uh, you know, the highest form of science really is music because that's the way the whole universe works on these octaves and tonal fields, because that conveys the resonance that is the basis of all creation. And that's why they've been destroying music for decades. <laughs> no, I totally 100% agree. And it's just, it's, it's like such people just don't understand, like people's algorithms are lying to them. And, and it's just like, unless you like, it's the information is all out there, but you've got to want to find it. And if you, and it's like anything, Bigfoot, Dogman, all this stuff that we've been talking about, it's like, you're never going to see it if you don't believe you can see it. And it's like, you don't understand that, like your culture is lying to you. your culture 
is an algorithm that you are being fed. And unless you can't get out of that algorithm to see, like real, you really want to see what algorithms do to you, set up your Reddit, set up a page, like all the stuff you like, and then watch it for a little while, I'd say a month, two months, three months. Then go on the Reddit without your profile and see how the world is so much different. This is a different reality you're tapping into. It's a completely different reality from what the algorithm is trying to tell you is reality. You are being led into an algorithm. What you think is what you're liking isn't what you're liking. You are creating a reality in which you're stuck in, okay? An echo chamber. And it's important to get out of the, even like whenever I go on Twitter and I go, oh, I'm everybody on Twitter is agreeing with me. Something I'm being lied to right now. I'm being lied to because I'm being manipulated by sorcery. Your algorithm is sorcery. It is a it is a spell that you are being put in to see the world like this. So when people see the world like this, there is conflict. Exactly. It's nailed so it. Yep. It's so interesting, <laughs> man. It's so much more interesting than everything else. Everything else. Everything. When you just like, if you don't, if you're doing conspiracy for more than a couple months and you don't start looking into spirituality, you, you are doing it all wrong. So when I first started the show and I would have spiritual episodes, I would get a visceral reaction to it. Do we don't want that. We want to hear about lizard people. And now when I put out episodes like that, every nobody complains because we've been blessed that me and the listeners we call the swarm have been on this very wonderful journey to where we can talk to people like you guys and have a real understanding of what you are talking about. Cause this is the deepest of all the conversations. When I, and when we go is history a lie, 100, all of it, all of it. They don't want you to know how amazing this area is, how everything is. And they just want you until the, listen, I don't trust any history before the internet. And I don't even trust history on the internet, but I know there's people out there that are fighting to get what happened in the past out. So people really understand how powerful they really are. It's Amen, pretty amazing. Hey, Dr. The, 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 Dr. Biggest, the biggest scam of all is the dichotomy between spiritual, non-spiritual, because when you understand how things work, step down from higher consciousness, spirit that moves through all things, God, whatever you want to call it, just name one thing that isn't spiritual. It all comes from the same source. So we, in our minds, are divided between spiritual and non-spiritual. So right there is the first thing you got to heal. Uh, do you think that why they, they hit our spiritual side because uh, trauma travels through DNA? As in, like, I, it'll eventually get to your kids. The trauma that we're getting to you will travel through DNA. It's generational, but remember the resonance it, is what creates the, the, you know, the informational fields that travel generationally. And then that is what determines the DNA. It's not the DNA itself, but the DNA will be the physical step down of that. Yeah, that will convey that information. Is the, sure. is the residence and residue almost uh, similar in a weird way? In the sense the that it is the is a recording, it's an electrical recording. It's no different than you know recording on your computer. 
Um, you know, when you download this video, you're going to have, you know, of course, it's encoded in different ways that we recognize technically, but bottom line is conveying a residence. It's going to, you know, allow people to watch this whole thing later. I have, I have no one quick on every level. One quick final question. Are there any academic publications, uh, alternative academic publications that deal in this kind of work that are maybe doing like lab research or anything? I'd love to, I, whenever, whenever we have people on like this, I'm always, I always feel an absence of people really committing to, you know, lab research and publishing it. And I'm just wondering if there's anything like that that you could recommend. Um, to get into the level we're talking about, there are brilliant people that are in private circles that are doing that such thing. You know, one field is in the field of biogeometry, Dr. Uh, Kareem from Egypt. Um, you know, I work in some of those circles. Uh, there's um, uh, Investica Institute, uh, you know, back east. Uh, they have a collection of scientists from all walks of science, physicists, uh, electrical engineers, uh, people, all, all of us are trained in biogeometry, uh, the Walter Russell uh, University. So it's all being done behind you know, firewalls with, uh, you know, a lot of brilliant people that are putting their heads together and proving this out. But it's done in ways that, you know, we, a lot of it, we don't even have a language for it anymore. But you, there is information accessible if you go to like Vesica Institute and look at some of the, you know, symposiums they've had with different people. Uh, the different conferences they've had in the Walter Russell uh, circle. So there's there's so, not a journal. Yeah, there's people doing things. Yeah, you, no, you're not going to read about it in Scientific American or something. But, I mean, there's not yeah, even an alternative press journal. I'd love to see that. Is there any movement for that? I'd love to see, like, an alternative peer-reviewed journal of, 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 you know, manned by people like you and, and others who work in that field. Yeah, it, it would be fun uh unfortunately i can't point you anywhere peer review you know that's another discussion um you know and what we consider the scientific method but you know there there's something pretty close to what you're talking about there and there is a, a lot there, going on behind the scenes there is a and also go ahead. All, all i was going to say is uh, there are people that are very well respected even by their own governments for instance like in egypt dr kareem he has you know, very respected engineer type, and he's innovating things uh, where like governments like Switzerland are bringing him in to do things to protect, you know, the general population from uh, microwave radiation. The Egyptian government uh, allows his work to be taught at the university graduate level to engineering students, all these same principles that we're talking about. So it's not just confined, you know, to little pockets of fringe people. Yeah, and I was going to say there is kind of a re not revolution happening like on the terrain side with films coming out, people like Tom Cowan, Andrew Kaufman really bringing this to the mainstream. Uh, and then also like with the, the whole Oregon, Oregonite uh, scene blowing up right now uh, with, you know, I think this we're going to start to see hopefully an alternative decentralized true scientific um, uh, community being developed, but that's outside the box, the inside the box, they don't want this to get out. So you're not yeah. going to see that through traditional academics until it hits such a consensus and such a, 
you know, it, it gets so powerful in terms of the public awareness and they'll be forced to. But our hope is that by that time, the whole system has kind of fallen off to the wayside and we have a new system. So, um, yeah, it's, this is exciting times because you're I do think we're going to start seeing it more and more in the quote unquote mainstream. That's good. Uh, hey, Sam, did we lose you, buddy? Huh. I think we might have lost Sam here. Um, we can bring this in for a landing. Anything else you guys want to uh, tell us about uh, that we maybe missed or uh, just want to get your uh, websites and whatever? Sorry, I'm, I'm yeah. I'm, just a second. So, I mean, we do a weekly show called AlphaCast where we explore these topics and we bring in folks that are literally doing this kind of research and, and are working on this in their daily lives. Uh, whether it be like the Biggleson brothers who are following their father's work, uh, examining uh, holographic um, expressions in live blood, where they literally are seeing people's um, ailments in the blood, showing it to them in the blood. So like a broken arm in the blood, and then they'll get a broken arm. Wow. Um, but a, but a what? Can you explain? Yeah, that? yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't even brought that rabbit hole up. Huh? But my point is, and we'll have to just come back on. We can talk about this stuff like Veda Austin. Yes. You know, she's doing incredible work with with water and structured water and seeing that, you know, how water actually interacts directly with our consciousness okay. um, and and things like that. So we do this weekly show because we are trying to uncover the real science uh, and then um, also the, you know, the real kind of spirit we call spirit science. Uh, so that's every I love week. That. Yeah. Yeah. And that's uh, called Alpha Cast. Every Thursday we do it live at 10 a.m. typically. Uh, and uh, we are Pacific or standard. Uh, I mean, that Pacific is Pacific or, or Eastern. Well, we're not we're about to not have standard anymore. Right. Uh, oh, but yeah, <laughs> Pacific time. Uh, we're we're in Cali. We're in we're in NorCal. Uh, and we have people from all over the world join us. So that's every Thursday. You just go to alphavedic.com to find more information. That's where all our products are. Uh, we've got an amazing online community and online co-op uh, there where people we do monthly meetings and people we have a private we're developing a whole entire private side of our business with a PMA where people can come in and interact with us in the private outside of their straw man. And, um, and yeah, we've just been in, seeing a lot of growth. I do a festival every year called Music and Sky, which is a sovereignty freedom festival that's growing bigger and bigger every year. Uh, we go out, we do ice baths and talk about survivalism and spirituality uh, and have amazing bands and DJs playing. Um, so we're having and fun. We're, we're having fun with this all. And bringing we're, art. we're agricultural. Sorry, Mike, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just to say we're agricultural based. You know, I'm a full-time farmer now. And uh, my wife and myself oversee the farm. And what we're doing is we're creating a reproducible prototype to decentralize farming. And here at the farm, we teach people how to do permaculture farming and uh, how they can take five acres or 10 acres and every community can you know, do several of these themselves, produce their own food, produce their own medicine. So we do workshops here, you know, to teach people how to create a landing spot for the system that's crumbling pretty quick right in front of our eyes here. Guys, this has been uh, an excellent episode. It's maybe one of the best episodes we've ever done. It's a real honor and privilege to talk to you guys. Uh, don't hang up after we're done. I want to talk to you real quick, but uh, this is it, man. This is what it's all about. Been trying to tell you this, guys, for years. And here you, here you heard it, spoken very well. Uh, it's all spiritual. It's a war, man. 
what you consume with your eyes, your ears, your mouth affects your chemistry and your just your energy. And uh, stop falling for the tricks, man. You know, nobody's come to save you. You got to save yourself. That's been it. I've told you that from the jump. And we just heard it now from these two guys that I'm so blessed we've connected with. I want to thank Matt Belair for making this connection. Matt's been a really big part of my life, and uh, he's helped me out even more today. Uh, I hope, guys, that uh, our shows will be intertwined from here on, working with each other as much as possible. And uh, anything I could ever do to help you guys, always open. Just feel like, just walk right through. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, make sure you send me all the links after so that uh, I can make sure they can find you guys. This has been a great episode. I hope to see you guys in in Texas. Uh, we're going to be uh, in El Paso. Then we'll be in Corpus Christi. So I hope to see everybody listening there. See myself, Eddie Bravo, and Xavier Guerrero. Uh, full disclosure, Xavier Guerrero does not have any uh, sores on his no. lip. Nope, this I did not. just all acting for you <laughs> so we could understand what we're talking about. Uh, so ladies, please still love Xavier. He's a G amongst Gs. I love you guys very much. Thank you guys again. We'll see you guys soon. Hope you enjoyed the show. Take care. Enjoy your week. We love you very much. Take care. We go deep, homeboy. Eric, open your mind. Drink from the fountain of knowledge. There's lizard people everywhere. That's some interdimensional shit. Wake up, Aaron. This is only the beginning. Dude, you just blew my mind. Tim foil hack. Tim foil hack. Tim foil hack.